welcome to the Back to Back Films podcast, where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And Jacob is gone, so we're going to do some more random film talk, just kind of some topical stuff. Bullshit. Have fun. (laughs) Whatever. Do what we want. Changing it up. We can do what we want. Like, (laughs) we, we normally do what we want, even with Jacob, but, you know, we have... Even more freedom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> he pulls us down. <laughs> <laughs> He's the real anchor, real true anchor to this. Um, all right, let's kick it off here with Blumhouse. Ooh. So Blumhouse sets Fantasy Island movie with Jeff Wadlow directing. So he's the director of Kick-Ass Two. And he also directed the more recent uh, Truth or Dare. And I thought this was interesting because Blumhouse is primarily known for, like, it's really, like, straight-up horror. Yeah. And kind of a little more recently, like, thriller. But in general, like, you know, I feel like Fantasy Island is not necessarily, like, exactly where they would go to. Now, what is Fantasy Island? I know that name sounds familiar, but... So, it's a American television series, originally aired from 77 to 84. It starred Ricardo Montalban and... Um, sorry. And then... Why can I not find the guy's name? Just give me the freaking name. <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard just to give you the name. Trying to find the name of his uh, counterpart. Fa- Fantasy Island just seems like kind of like a like a child's like show about like pirates or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it might even be something like at Disneyland. Yeah, maybe that's what. Hervé Villachaise, 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 Hervé He plays Tattoo. He's like a short person. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's kind of just like a it's a pretty pretty famous um, TV show that lasted a while. I'm not super familiar with it. That's why I'm kind of stumbling over the answers here a little bit. I wonder um, why Fantasy Island? Like or if they're well, going to spin it a little bit and make it more horror or something, Maybe. you know? <laughs> so it says he plays Mark, Ricardo Monobon pays the mysterious Mr. Rourke who grants the fantasies of visitors to the titular island for a price. So uh, there you go. Um, obviously running into a bunch of problems along the way, right? Um, yeah, so that's what I, I, I wanted to bring that up because, yeah, Blumhouse is prim- primarily known for their horror. Um, and then to do something that is completely not, like you said, maybe yeah. they will kind of try to um, I don't know, make it a little yeah. more horror-ish with that same kind of franchise, or not franchise, but that oh, that brand already established, yeah. but then taking the brand and kind of changing it. I don't know. That's really it's kind it, of hard to say. It makes me think, like, I mean, I know remakes and stuff are, are such a big thing now. Like, what if, like, <laughs> Blumhouse did, like, like a horror-ish kind of remake of, like, Chi Chi Bang Bang? You know, like that'd be kind of cool because, like, there are some really creepy elements of that movie. There, with the the guy that like sniffs the children and the yeah and stuff, and like, I mean, that could be pretty cool. Do like a whole kind of more there you go adult oriented chitty chitty bang bang movie. I mean, a lot of these like 
I mean, a lot of Disney movies started out as super dark. Yeah. You yeah. know, so like a lot of stuff that you see that is now bright, happy, and fun it's, had a dark place, and yeah. probably vice versa too. Or started. Tales. Yeah. <laughs> so like stuff that started fun. I mean, there's probably been yeah. stuff where they made it darker, and then yeah. So why not? You know, and Blumhouse is. Cool. You know, you could say that a good chunk of their stuff is kind of trash, but for the most part, they're producing yeah. consistent horror and yeah. some of their stuff is really good too did, so did they produce the newest purge film they, i think they might have i don't think so they might have been a part of it but i don't think they were like the major like but let me look it up supposedly it's um that film it's it, the critics actually really you know didn't mind it and they said that it actually had a lot of like interesting and important things to say about our kind of modern political climate um in that the purge films kind of just keep getting better and better so we'll probably see even more <laughs> i don't know some of these i think new one i don't think was as accepted this first purge one yeah uh trying to see who's the main production companies. okay so blumhouse was a part of it platinum dunes and blumhouse uh yeah i guess they were they were the first ones to kind of produce the first purge right the, the not the first purge but the literal but, first movie yeah, yeah. right so platinum dunes has been involved in horror since the texas chainsaw massacre yeah i've definitely heard that name they've been a part of all the purges since then and then now their newest movie coming out in 2019 is dora the explorer <laughs> so you know <laughs> They are uh, diversifying wow, that's a, that's their a, portfolio. The gamut right there. <laughs> Holy cow. They also had a part in producing uh, A Quiet Place. So. Oh, okay. There you go. I picked that up. I yeah. haven't watched it yet, though. It's not too bad. I kind of want to watch it with my uh, parents. <laughs> it's pretty watchable. It's PG-13, so yeah, it's pretty yeah. like toned down. And, I mean, it's... I feel like there's nothing about it that's like a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Like when stuff happens, you kind of know that, oh, that's going to happen. I mainly picked it up because I'm just a big Emily Blunt fan. She's just so good in everything, and I just haven't seen her perform in a horror movie before, you know? Directed by her actual husband. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which is kind of funny, too, that whole... It is funny, just John Krasinski in general just being in a horror movie and then also directing it. It's Mm -hmm. kind of funny, you know? Yeah. But... He did a good job in Michael Bay's like thirteen hours, like as an action, you know, guy. Like he's come a long way since yeah. the Office. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have guessed. No, right? <laughs> that not he at would all. have taken that turn, but I mean, it does. It, it seems to be working out, so it's cool. So it's it's, and I I also kind of like the idea of having a film that's a lot, just a lot of like quiet or silent scenes, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's cool to see sign language in film because is she she. Is, She's actually she, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's pretty cool. I want to see. So they all had that. to learn it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it makes for some cool stuff. It makes for some sequences, but at the same time, you also re- like it makes for some, like oh yeah, of course that problem's gonna exist because she's dead. You know what I yeah, mean? Like that yeah, type of yeah. thing. So, it's a little a little contrived or like almost like yeah. I, I did like the the sort of inciting incident though is cool. <laughs> so. Cool. <laughs> that's kind of and then yeah like i said everything else you kind of know is is fairly typical there's nothing i can think of that was like whoa yeah they like changed the genre not a little like bit, a you huge, know it's not like a not even up to like hereditary you know no <laughs> no not even they're very different and they're, yeah. they're different movies but also one is way better <laughs> um, for sure all right 
Let's jump to... If you don't agree with that, please comment below. Yeah, <laughs> fight me. Let's do it. Tell me why you disagree. Yeah. Why? Tell me why Quiet Place is the greatest movie that's come out in like recent years. Um, all right. Mark Maron in talks to join Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie, which is funny that it's being dubbed as his Joker movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just he's <laughs> probably going to play the Joker he's in it. He's the biggest name yeah. in the whole... In the whole. So, Mark Marin, uh, if you're unfamiliar with who he is, he's a stand-up comedian. He also does a podcast called WTF. Um, he's been on Louie's show. He just kind of floats in that crowd of people. Um, he is in talks to join this, quote, small-budget DC Comics project. <laughs> um, so small-budget of probably no less than 50 mil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reportedly, he'll be playing a booking agent on a talk show that plays a part in driving the clown prince of crime, aka the Joker, insane. Hmm. So, so he's kind of a bad guy of the bad guy. Pretty much. I That's think what they're cool. probably going to bill it as an anti-hero type yeah. movie, right? Yeah. Like, if you're going to focus on a, quote, bad guy, then they have to be good in certain yeah. ways. So, it's kind of like the Venom movie coming out. Yeah, you know? which, ah, man, I don't know about this. Looks pretty dumb. It does. Like, it just, it doesn't look any, it doesn't look like anything special to me. They can't get the tone right for yeah, it, it at all. It just looks, it doesn't look like it's, like, going to be a nice, cool, dark movie at all. It, 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 I don't know. That's what I, dude, it bothers me is, like, superhero movies are just so afraid to embrace, embrace the darkness. I know, what the and not, fuck? And, not, and specifically, like, Marvel-type movies. Yeah. You know, this is, a, this is, um columbia so it's not it's not the mcu quote unquote yeah, and that's a, it's different but it's also just like fucking embrace it dude it's distributed by yeah. sony so produced by columbia distributed by sony that tells you kind of because spider-man was sony for a while um yeah with so, the andrew garfield spider-man mm-hmm. see now i don't understand where all that go- i don't know if you do not or if you do or not either but i get so confused with that shit because it's like that Spider-Man isn't connected to, like, Iron Man and all that shit. No, it's the, the Tom Holland one that is. Yeah. The Homecoming. But, so the, but the the reason, one of the reasons why is because it's it's Sony. Mm-hmm. And Sony has nothing to do with the Disney ones. Exactly. So what's canon? Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, which one, like... Well, okay, so in terms of canon, what most <laughs> people would probably say is that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the true canon. Okay. Right? So if whatever Spider-Man exists in that movie, which in like the New Avengers yeah. or whatever, then that's the Spider-Man that's canon. God, is, but what about the original one with Tobey uh, Maguire or whatever his name no, is? No, none of those have... Those are all... I mean, what you could do is be a, go to fan theories and be like, well, these are the Spider-Universes, yeah, right? The yeah. Spider-Verse or whatever. So there's all these different types of Spider-Man and stuff. And what, but reality is is that it's a business thing. Sony owned the rights to, to the cinematic it, Spider-Man. Right. Um you know, I th- don't remember if there's one before Raimi or not, but basically the Raimi Spider-Mans came out. TV show, I think, a oh, long okay. time ago. So basically, if the Raimi one come, came out, Spider-Man shot to, like, the center of attention. Everyone wanted to yeah. see it. Everyone liked it. You know, they stumbled <laughs> through the kind of sequels. But for the most part, everyone really liked <laughs> yeah, it, right? Yeah. I think Spider-Man 2 was kind of the, the biggest one. But um, Yeah, that made big. Right, they did. Yeah. And then Sony, knowing that... That the rights to that franchise is uh, a, 
a cash cow. Yeah. They held on to it. You know, they were trying to make other movies. Kind of like you, copyright is really complicated, but one of the things generally is that you kind of have to produce things to make sure that you maintain the we copyright. Maintain it, yeah. But also they want to make a bunch of money. Wow. So then they made different <laughs> versions of Spider-Man. Um, I want to just look up real quick the various ones. Because was it Maguire and then was it Garfield or was I there somewhere in between? I think, I think it was Maguire and then Garfield. I think, but they might have had like some voice actors do animated Spider-Man movies in between those. And see, that's a whole different thing too. Yeah, it's exactly, like the animated yeah. rights are probably different than like the straight up. But yeah. Sony might have produced those too. So, um, sorry, it's my like my mayor uh, or something. <laughs> 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 something random. <laughs> God, my computer has been struggling recently. <laughs> yeah, I've always found that interesting. And you know, like Deadpool isn't connected to the wolverine films but yet because he's fox yeah but they mention them yeah because you can <laughs> you can't talk about yeah, it yeah which is pretty funny. you just can't there's a line right yeah. and like you know x-men that was the big thing of x x-men's yeah. a fox property so one of the big big parts of this like deal that disney and fox came to which is terrifying <laughs> is that you know, in theory, the X-Men are now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so can be applied to right. that. So, Okay, so Spider-Man, so one of the original films was in 77, 78, 81. Um, and then, then the Raimi ones occurred. And yeah, the next one was The Amazing Spider-Man, which was um, Andrew Garfield. Okay. And then apparently Marvel got a hold of those rights again, and then Marvel <laughs> Disney got a hold of those rights, and then produced Homecoming. Um, and then I guess he appeared in Civil War too for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he so. did. Yeah, that was his uh, unveil. Yeah. His reveal. Reveal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm, so, th- I'm thinking about something else. <laughs> no, so that's like how he kind of made his way into that. Yeah, so, uh, I felt Homecoming was tough. probably the strongest movie, actually, out of, like, maybe all five of the others. <laughs> of the Maguire and the... Actually, honestly, I didn't see the second Amazing Spider-Man movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Your opinion's invalid now. <laughs> yeah, the, the one with Jamie Foxx. I just I was like, man, I don't know if I can picture Jamie Foxx as, like, Electro or whatever, yeah. yeah. So, uh, this says that um, after various iterations, work on a new version began in March 2017 to start a new shared universe featuring the Marvel characters to which Sony possessed the film rights. Mm. Uh, Though Sony also intends for um, this film, Venom, to share the world of Homecoming, which is set in the MCU after a deal between Sony and Marvel. So... What I think what's happening is that Marvel slash Disney is basically trying to acquire all of their shit back so that they mm-hmm. can monetize the hell out of it. Right? <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of what's happening here. Um, but yeah, we got onto this tangent because the Venom trailer does look really bad. It They're does. they really can't figure out the tone, and, um, like and they're just afraid. You know? I know it's like I don't want to. And like, I feel shit like on it. I get I mean, the I feeling wanna, that he like tried. Yeah. You know. Yeah, whatever its faults are, it's probably not him. It's probably... That's what I would imagine. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, Yeah, so there's also a Jared Leto project for Joker. So, you know, 
there's going to be multiple. If you don't like one, maybe you like the other. I don't know. <laughs> I really like Joaquin Phoenix, so, yeah. you know, we'll see. Uh, all right. We can, I can keep continue going unless you want to pop in yeah, one of um, your things. Let's see. I have one that this is really small, but I, I thought it was kind of um, uh, interesting, I guess, is, is it one word to, to say, but Harvey Weinstein was seen going to see the new Mission Impossible movie. What the heck? <laughs> like, this motherfucker is on bail. Like, for some serious fucking charges. Yeah. And he's seen going to see the fucking newest Mission Impossible movie. Like, wow. it's just weird. That's very weird. You know what I mean? Like, I That's just... too weird. Like... Because also, anyone who sees you in the theater is going to be like, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And it also just feels like a publicity stunt to me. Because oh, yeah. it's like, oh, well, he has nothing to hide and nothing to worry about because he's innocent. So he's just going to go see oh, a movie. Good point. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like his lawyer is behind this, you know? And it just seems, yeah. it just seems, it's just weird. But I don't know. I, had a, I haven't heard anything about Harvey Weinstein in a little while. Besides that he's getting a second or maybe it's a third, like, a, um, uh, serious felony um, or felonies against him. So Jesus. He, he's it, it's going even he's he's facing even more time now, which is wow. great. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, yeah he's kind of trying to quote unquote big yeah, dick. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um, it's really small, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just weird. Um, and these, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally weird and i'm very i think making way too many like you're making a whole bunch of people uncomfortable for like nothing like no one cares about yeah. him anymore so, so supposedly he was seen um laughing and and like saying hi to kids which oh. which seems really weird but it's like how do you how much do i really want to believe that or you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like, right how much of that is like like them trying to make it just sound creepier than it was you know <laughs> like, right <laughs> But yeah, there's pictures of him like in the lobby of the of the theater. That's fucking weird, dude. <laughs> he's like, just, I think he, I think he's like wearing like a black cap. Just go away, man. No yeah. one really cares. And then I guess another, you know, smaller one too is the new Suspiria remake is going to be two and a half hours long, so which is stoked. fucking awesome. Because I love it. Because there's going to be so many people that are going to go see it. Because one, they're either gonna they're either fans of the original, or two, they've heard about the original, and they because it's a seventies film, they don't want to go watch it, so they'll watch the remake. Right. This forces them in a two and a half hour, probably amazingly well made movie. Like I just love that. I know. I just right? love it when filmmakers are like, "Nope, we're gonna make it two and a half hours," and audiences have to sit through that like it's probably longer than the original one i'm sure oh yeah the original is probably only what like 100 minutes or something 104 maybe um, it could be even shorter yeah because it's italian one yeah it might even 98 be like 90, minutes yeah, yeah okay. 98 so nice i wonder how much if it's going to be slower if they added some extra stuff or i, I like it when they change it up like yeah. i don't want a rehashed version of the no, original the looks, original is the original it's like like as long as it man if they can maintain some of that shit that the original does so well like that would be the great music. but it looks i mean and the score from the trailer sounds awesome i know i've watched the trailer like four times Dude, in a row like say man i just like <laughs> so good so good like 
That's what I'm saying. You gotta embrace what you are. Like, you can't just be like, oh, we don't know what Venom is, so we're just gonna throw out yeah. some multiple types of trailers and just see what sticks. Suspiria is like, nah. Yeah. We know what we are. We're gonna just be Suspiria. And speaking of music, too, this is a little off topic, but um, it you know, kind of reminds me of Blade Runner 2049, you know, where they wanted the soundtrack similar to the original Vangelis one, but not super close. And the the composer uh, Johan Johansson, who you know just recently died, wasn't agreeing with that. He wanted kind of his more like a whole unique thing. So they they removed him from the film. Yeah. Um, and then they had Hans Zimmer come in. But what's kind of cool too is uh, Johan Johansson's last score, which is for that Mandy film, I believe. Uh, yeah, uh, is going to be released. Uh, I'm trying to pull that up, but my computer is which is pretty fucking cool. Struggling hard right now. I was gonna pull up an article on that, but yeah. So the so let's talk about Mandy for a second. So we're on that because the trailer for Mandy looks amazing. It's, it's it looks great. It's, it's gonna be awesome. Led by Nicolas Cage, which I know I said that, and there's probably a couple people who are like, oh, <laughs> really? But really this is probably going to be one of his best performances yeah. in a really long time the movie looks like it's going to go over the top in all the things yeah. that it's a straight up hardcore revenge movie dude fucking like, like it's just going to be brutal there's a tiger in there there's fucking neon lights yeah there's fucking like him covered in blood <laughs> yeah with like this huge crazy axe thing yeah. and then a fucking huge fucking chainsaw yep and like weird i don't know what you would call them they almost kind of remind me of something from like hellraiser the, those guys oh, those cenobites yeah like or cenobites or whatever it, but some creature slash maybe dudes and like crazy yeah I, wish, I don't know here let me try and pull it up on my phone it just looks fucking better. awesome um and andrea riseboro i'm not sure if i'm saying that right but um she's in it as well and she normally picks pretty good projects um like she was in birdman and uh um oblivion with tom cruise and um madonna's film called we and some others um she was in a black mirror episode oh nice um, so she's got you know a pretty wide range but all of her projects are kind of cool like mm -hmm. you know she doesn't pick like you know huge blockbuster movies right. you know so it's kind of cool that she's in this film um so let's see so it's directed by panos cosmatos panos cosmatos i don't know how you, exactly how you say that <laughs> starring nicholas cage uh follows cage's character in an effort to track down the cult-like group responsible for the murder of his wife so that's where byers kind of talking about like the way that the cult looks is what's peculiar, right? Yeah, there's like there's like some in the trailer. You guys gotta check out this trailer; it's nuts. But uh, there's like some guys that like take I don't know I don't know. It's just they look like not like anybody from like on Earth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna try and pop up the trailer again, just so I could. Because I, I couldn't directly remember what you were looking at, so I'm kind of here, I'm trying to look at it real quick. Scrub through. Yeah, my like shit stained internet. Not shit stained internet. My shit stained phone. Uh. Oh yeah, is that the shot right there? 
he's like spiky and stuff. Uh, oh, this might. Oh yeah. Oh, I just saw the hand. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like some. It's just. You know, it just yeah. looks so cool. <laughs> he looks like. Um, I don't know if you've ever read this series, the Hyperion series. <sighs> by no. Dan Simmons. So Hyperion, one of the major like bad characters in that is called the Shrike, which is basically like this metal mm. being with fucking spikes sticking all over <laughs> it. And it just like it impales you on its like big spike tree and just nice. leaves you there to like Shit. live forever impaled in pain. Um yeah, so that's what it kind of reminded me of. So they kind of look like demons or whatever. Yeah. They kind of, it sort of reminds me of Baskin a little bit. Like yeah. Like the weirdness of yeah. Baskin, but and, not so yeah. extreme in its horror, um, which is pretty cool. So, and there's an animated sequence in there, it looks like. Oh, yeah, which, yeah. It looks pretty cool. The so, movie just looks awesome. It looks just, really I awesome, I love how yeah. different it is. Um and just all over. So that one is definitely on my list. Do you know when it's coming out? Did you have you seen I anything think on that? It's later in the year. Hope so. I think. Um, Hope so. It better not be next year. Uh, no, all the films that it seems that I really look forward to, they always fucking extend. Always one them. more year. Yeah, one more you know, year. I it's know. like it's supposed to be released in October, and then they release it in like February of the next year. You're like, God damn it. Um, but I guess going back to Suspiria, they released a uh, a clip um, at uh, CinemaCon. And um, it, I guess it really disturbed a lot of people and freaked people out. So I can't wait to for them nice. to release that clip. <laughs> nice. I'm definitely going to... Like, my stupid-ass computer! <laughs> God, literally just fucking... All I'm asking for is just to like, use the internet, because I want to see this clip now. Because I didn't hear about that one. Oh, it's not out yet. They haven't, oh, they haven't yeah, released the clip but they yet? Released it, they released it at CinemaCon. Oh, and okay. so a CinemaCon audience has got to see it. Nice. But I'm looking forward to uh, when they do release it for Hell us yeah. to see. And I guess it's scheduled for a November second release for uh, Suspiria. Oh man! So can't wait. I that's that should be cool. But hopefully they don't um, extend that one. Each, you know, too. So fucking ready for that one. So ready for Suspiria. Uh, here we go. Okay, since we kind of were talking about the revenge thriller aspect of things, um, Mel Gibson and Colin Farrell join revenge thriller War Pigs. Interesting. What an interesting pairing. Yeah. What a bizarre ass pairing. Um, this uh, World War II action pick from oh. Millennium Films will be directed by Tommy Warcola. Oh, that name sounds so familiar. He did. Uh, we talked. We we brought him we, up before. Yeah, we have. Um, in fact, I think we did one of his movies. I had to do this all on my phone. I said on my computer now. So let me pop his name up real quick. Um should have prepped this beforehand so he is a norwegian film director dead snow that's dead what snow was. <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't have guessed that dead snow and then he did hansel and gretel witch hunters oh, okay um and then he did <coughs> oh, excuse me more recently what happened to monday starring naomi rapace willem dafoe oh, okay that was on Glenn close yeah yeah that one looked interesting because she plays like a whole bunch of characters, I think. Oh, nice. Um, kind of like an orphan black sort of deal. Oh, sweet. Um, so that's cool. I like that. I like, I've never seen them together. I don't think they've ever been together. So that'll be a really interesting, yeah. fun, 
fun pairing. Um, so it says Farrell will play Drex, and Gibson fills the role of the pastor in a project penned by Nick Ball and John Niven that follows ex-soldiers out for revenge against a gang that killed one of their own and stole their drug money. Wow. That's your movie right there. Yeah. The drug money. <laughs> Dang. This, so, War Pigs, dig that. This is, yeah, I wonder if they're going to license the rights to it, the wars to the song for the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Got to have some Ozzy in there. <laughs> so, yeah. This will be, yeah, this will be his follow-up from Hacksaw Ridge because he hasn't really done anything. But yeah. he's not going to direct this. It'll just be something he's acting in. But that's yeah, a kind of a cool combo. He hasn't acted in... <clears throat> anything i don't think since blood father or something like that came out a couple years ago probably because yeah he was struggling to get back into the industry for a while uh yeah so i thought that was cool yeah keep your this is early they're just joining the cast obviously they haven't even shot anything so but uh yeah keep your eyes out for war pigs uh what do you got um i have something interesting um where i guess at the venice film festival uh <clears throat> the there's a kind of an uproar because there's a lot of Netflix movies being shown this year. <laughs> yep. So we were kind of talking about how like the Cannes Film Festival doesn't really allow that unless there's like a theatrical exhibition. At least not in competition. In competition. Yeah. With this, it sounds like there's going to be there's like six that I believe are in competition. Wow. <laughs> that and I guess there's some debate now because there are people that are like you know this is unfair you know totally so i thought this was kind of an interesting uh almost the reverse of you know (laughs) of what of what can was experiencing you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like um so what are we looking at not enough netflix movies or whatever this is you know too many many? (laughs) so now we're looking at so like we mentioned last week the ballad of buster scruggs the coen brothers film is going to be shown there apparently now in competition um see trying to find the two of the splashiest titles previously announced first man is opening competition star is born yeah, and I guess the biggest problem is the fact that they're being released on why on the on their on the Netflix streaming service right. like at the same time as the festival, which kind of just pisses them off. You know what I mean? Because they're like, it's kind of undercutting them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So I can kind of see that. Um, it, it's kind of nice that they're not saying like we need. You, we need to have you guys have a theatrical exhibition. It's more just like, hey, you know, like it would be nice if like we were able to like have them at our festival and then you could release it. Yeah. Wide release later, you know, like a couple weeks later or whatever. And if anything, that might boost the popularity of those movies unless they're really shitty. Yeah. And then the critics are going to shit on them and no one will see them on the service. So I can see it both. I can see both sides of the coin on on why Netflix is doing what they're doing, but also understanding why the people that are against it, you know, why they are. (laughs) For sure. So it says here that Amazon and Netflix both have stuff in official competition. Um, Alberto uh, Barbera has been kind of, I guess you could say uh, progressive in the sense of that he's pushing more for this streaming stuff. Um, 
Let's see. Sounds like Harmony Korine's Beach Bum didn't make it in. Which I'm really surprised about because the Venice Film Festival really likes Harmony Korine. That's what he was just saying. You know? He says he really likes him. They have a close relationship with him, but apparently it just wasn't ready. Or just like it just yeah. this wasn't the t- right time for it. It's it's kind of cool. I, I liked how they gave him the best documentary award for Trash Uppers when <laughs> it's truly not a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, so we saw. Steve Bannon is going to the Venice Film Festival. <laughs> Who's that? He's the the ultra uh, right wing. Oh dude. yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh duh. Yeah right. Yeah, that was a big duh. Fucking, well, uh, we, he's been out of the limelight for a while, so that's yeah. true. Uh, I wish. Give me the f- actual fucking names of the movies, like. Okay, I'm not seeing any of the names here, but yeah, so Venice and what they're saying too is that basically because of this like kerfuffle between um Can and Netflix, mm-hmm. they kind of benefited from it cuz yeah. they're like, okay, well, we'll take it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> they're not some like, you know, un- like underdog film festival, yeah, but obviously no. Can is yeah. like considered like the premier, kind of the right? Peak, yeah. So like them being like, all right, well, any way to undercut can kind of in a way is yeah, because Venice is really the biggest festival after can. There really isn't anything bigger after. Um, yeah, because it, go, it, yeah. it goes it goes Venice, and then right after Venice, it's Telluride, and right there's an overlap with Toronto. I was gonna say it's either so Toronto like, or Telluride. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's Toronto, Telluride, and Venice that happen within the like two weeks of each other all you know and there's an overlap there too so um it's it's entering award season here pretty soon you yeah. know because it'll be end of august early september and that's when all the we'll start be, we'll start hearing about you know all these films that are going to be nominated for the awards so i'm i it's one of my favorite times of the year because this is when i you know start really honing in on like okay i have to see this one i have to see this one you mm-hmm. know and there's going to be a lot of good ones this year um I'm curious about Alfonso Cuarón's Roma. I'm not entirely sure exactly what it's about, but oh, that seems like one that's coming out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't done anything since Gravity, and so it's kind. Of, I'm kind of curious to to see what he, you know, does next. Um, so this one, I keep seeing Sundance pop up a lot as one of the bigger ones too. Yeah, but that's before Can, though, right? I think. I'm just saying in terms of like the big oh of the big like yeah. the biggest yeah you know, for sure Sundance is super super big yeah and they take kind of they try to be quote on the more indie side of things yeah um, Sundance Telluride and South by Southwest are probably the top three American oh South by Southwest yeah film festivals and Berlin Film the Festival New York Film Festival would probably Berlin. up there so this site I don't know if this is in any particular order she goes Can Sundance. No, I think this is just the 15 best. So, we're going to Cannes, Sundance, Berlin, Venice, Toronto, mm-hmm. um, BFI, London, mm-hmm. the British Good, Film Institute, yeah. Edinburgh, South by Southwest, Telluride, Tribeca. That's Tribeca, a big one, yeah. yeah. Raindance. I've heard, I've heard interesting things about Raindance. Uh, Melbourne International, Hong Kong International, huh. American Film Festival, Dubai... 
<laughs> that's and gonna be go. i i bet there's gonna be a lot of crazy film festivals in like dubai or, or you mm-hmm. know and the arab emirates uh here because it's, it's just everything. growing and growing <laughs> and anything goes in dubai yeah. <laughs> so that besides alcohol <laughs> the three most this is a wikipedia yeah besides alcohol uh the three most prestigious film festivals according to this wikipedia article are generally considered to be Cannes, berlin and venice yeah they're called the big and three. And they're the oldest ones, you know. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty uh, old. Can, Can was 46, I think. Yeah. Oh, man, they're going to um, probably have an awesome lineup for the 50th. Oh, I bet. That'd be sweet. So, no, no, they were founded in 46. Oh, 46. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. so they're, they're Oh, that's right, because, yeah, it's been... It's like 72 it's years, seven, yeah. yeah. Uh, TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival, is North America's most popular. Um, SIF is credited as being the largest film festival yeah, in the USA. It takes so long. It, it, it's like over a month long. Right? Yeah, or something like that. So it's 400 films in a month. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, Sundance Film Festival, Tribeca, South by Southwest, New York, and Montreal, uh, Regina, and Vancouver are also major ones. Oh, wow. um, quote, competitive... Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. So there's like a bajillion... Um, and then there's different ones. Ann Arbor Film Festival is experimental films. Tell you ride. Yeah, I've actually heard good things about the Ann Arbor Film Festival. I have too. Yeah. Um, it seems kind of like a random place, you know. Yeah, but, but I mean, so I mean, Tell you ride. Yeah, too, like, yeah, right. And Sundance, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So that's cool. Um, all right, let's uh, maybe talk about this. There's definitely one article I want to get to, kind of towards the end. So I guess we'll see. Um, so, the refreshing romance of uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Ah, uh, yeah. It was kind of an interesting little article. Um, and it's the t- title kind of overblows it a little bit, um, what the article actually says. But I thought it was interesting to bring up anyway. So, what they're talking about here is that basically there is this term that has that describes the cliche of the male protagonist's main motivation being because the death of a woman. Yeah. It's called fridging. F like, oh, there's a, like name a fridge. For it. Yeah. Like oh, a refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, it's coined by the comic book writer, Gail Simon, um, based on a green lantern comic in which a superhero finds his girlfriend's dead body in the refrigerator. Uh, so it has since then become <gasps> oh, shit. a, staple so yeah. if you if you write you probably know this or if you're a screenwriter or actually probably in general as a storyteller fridging um yeah it just basically means that <laughs> and you see this all the time in major action movies adventures sometimes not adventures usually but a lot of action yeah. movies revenge you know it's the death of the the woman yeah that really sets it off and is like oh, i'm gonna fuck you all up yeah. now you know um what so Mission Impossible, what they did was, um, let's see, so he does have a a wife, he does have a woman that is considered his weakness, what they did uh, to kind of twist this usual trope was uh, he helped her go into hiding, so he like can't, he like had to himself quote unquote kill the relationship nah. right to, and then that kind of helps to drive some of the motivation um, for some of that stuff so starting in Mission Impossible 3 which the first one if you know is was Brian De Palma 
Um, and it's pretty different than kind of where we're at now, yeah. where it's a little more. I mean, it's a pretty explosive action movie, but now we're just like really like, yeah. how can we? It's it's essentially done the Fast and Furious thing, where it's just gone way above and beyond where it started. Um, but but it's still kind of classy, though. Yeah, it like, is. It's not like it's yeah. It's more Bond, but yeah, it, it, the newer ones are trying yeah. to like Bond. This one and um, like uh, Jacob brought this up in his own podcast too was Inception too is kind of okay. Bond like yeah yeah um, where it, they're kind of trying to yeah have this the style yeah. is more in that you know and Bond itself like the newer Bonds are you know definitely like that um, so you know it's interesting to see that yeah like you know deadpool has this happen twice deadpool 2 is the motivations for um <laughs> you know the fucking motivations for the whole character yeah, movies yeah. and stuff so well, like even john wick where the wife dies and he has to go after oh, the yeah. dog that exactly. she left him you know <laughs> so john wick's like partial yeah his wife whatever dying was like his motivation to quit right and yeah. then it's the dog that was the so they kind yeah. of do a little twist on that but they still kind of touch yeah. on it I, th- I feel like with john wick it's a little more of like a meta like it is yeah like, but that whole movie's a little bit more meta which is great yeah you know? exactly so, that's cool. so and you know the mission impossible films i think have been have been trying you know I, they seem like films that have been trying since ghost protocol i've actually been impressed i really like rogue nation I thought it was one of the better like action films because it had like a decent plot, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. And, I'm, and I actually want to see Fallout because I've heard that it's not only just a great action movie, but possibly one of the best action movies ever made. Oh wow! So I'm just curious to see. Just I mean, I guess some of the stunts that they've done, it's it's just like Mad Max where obviously they use CGI but not like CGI no Mission Impossible uses a lot of practical yeah that's what I'm that's what I mean yeah. like they use CGI but like it's but it's like Mad it's Max ups. where it's yeah. yeah so like I'm like that's fucking awesome I that's the sort of action I love where you, you see like the new Triple X movie and it's like Oh, he's on a green screen. They just CGI'd that shit. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, no, there is behind lots of behind the scenes for the Mission Impossible stuff. Um, When he in the older, I don't remember if it was in uh, Protocol or Rogue Nation, where he's on the side of the plane. He's actually hanging off the uh, side of the plane. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Rogue Nation. Yeah. And then like his jump, that he jumps across the building or whatever. He actually does that, and he broke his ankle. Yeah. And then there's, like, a clip of him, you know, they shot, like, in they were in Europe, and they were shooting him on a motorcycle, and you can yeah. see him, he's zigzags around cars, yeah. goes, like, into a tunnel, and I up, and, like... I guess that scene in, in Fallout is just supposed to be insane. I'm sure. Like, it's just... And it's him be, doing it. Yeah. That's, like, yeah, that's whatever, a, you, you you can crap all over Tom Cruise know, for a right, lot right. of stuff. <laughs> right. But the dude's dedication to his action exactly, films is yeah. just... You can, it's is insane, almost dude. incomparable, really. I mean, besides... I mean, Joaquin Phoenix... Or not Joaquin Phoenix... Keanu Reeves, um, with just like the yeah, he kind of does like, his own thing yeah, too. Yeah, you know, um, and they're and they're not young guys. No, you know, like no, <laughs> both of them are are probably r- roughly around the same age, actually, probably. Probably. Um, and then you know, in Oblivion, Tom Cruise hurt himself because he was doing that dirt bike yeah, stunt or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, dude, hurts himself, and like, dude, I bet you studios are like. 
We love working with Tom Cruise because he's going to sell a movie, but we hate the insurance. The we got to ins- pay yeah. his fee or his yeah. actor's fee in insurance, like yeah. just to make sure that if he does like hurt himself to the point where he can't, you know, can't be in, like you really have to be careful with that. So, but if anything, like if Tom Cruise, like this is terrible, but if he like paralyzed himself. Dang. or something or died yeah. during a making of a movie that would just make the movie everybody would go see it you know what i mean <laughs> like oh yeah oh like, yeah totally they get their money <laughs> oh, that's terrible but everyone would want to watch that movie yeah and, and i guarantee they probably wouldn't like show like any of the crazy shit until like the movie was released he wouldn't put it even in the trailer if he like yeah died, yeah you know? yeah you'd want to like, like <laughs> he seems like someone who would be like even if i die yeah. the movie must go yeah, on exactly yeah no, definitely yeah and i feel like he's smart enough too because he produces these films i think too oh like, sure um that he, he would probably film all the important scenes so that the film could be released without these certain stunts and then they do the stunts like last yeah. you know what i mean the, i bet the big yeah because that's the thing is like as an actor especially as a big actor yeah. like a very like chris pratt type where we're at where he's yeah. at you end up with a lot of pull right and this has been a problem for filmmakers and sometimes it's a it's a blessing and it's a curse it's sometimes what they want can help can better the film yeah. sometimes what they want can really hurt the film um so uh but so what i'm saying is basically yeah he has pull but if you enter it and and follow the stipulations of being a producer yeah. on yeah. top of that then there's more that opens up more opportunities for what you can and yeah. can't do and what you can control especially if he's willing to say i'm gonna you know if you negotiate your actor's contract based on your producer like right. I, maybe i can get more money here pump money in or like whatever i'll do this as much as i can to make sure it yeah. happens you know and then with tom yeah with tom cruise i mean it's like hard to be like oh we're just gonna say no to him you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. it's it's a hard thing so it's it's cool too the this is a little side fact but the director of fallout the new one i believe did rogue nation but he also did jack reacher i think the first jack reacher with um, um, with tom cruise. tom cruise yeah but he also was won the oscar for writing co-writing the usual suspects oh which sweet. i thought was kind of you, you know interesting there you go nice <laughs> Cool. So we're rocking about 15 minutes here, 15 minutes left. So I'll touch on these last two. Do you have any more? Anything um, else? The other one, small one that I have was just uh, that Tarantino's supposed pitch that he pitched um, to Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams' company for Star Trek, um, will probably not happen in at least like six or seven years. But yet it Could sounds happen. like it will happen, but just it will be a while. Yeah, um, there's a lot of hoops you got to yeah. jump through with a big, big, big brand like Star Trek. Yeah. I guess, I guess there's a lot of interesting things because I guess he's like written a storyline, but he hasn't written the script to this thing. But he's pitched this whole thing, and then they're going to hire a screenwriter. Makes sense to do it. So it won't be what I think a lot of people are picturing as a Tarantino script in the sense of it's not going to be i don't think the usual tarantino dialogue and stuff like that i doubt he'll even yeah, yeah. they'll probably say a story by and then right. produced by exactly, right and then exactly. give yeah. everyone else the reins. i mean who knows maybe he'll maybe after once upon a time in hollywood because he's you know obviously he's focused on that right now maybe when between his time with his last movie yeah. <laughs> and once upon a time in hollywood maybe he'll have more time and be like hey you know what uh, I'm getting married and uh, 
I'm going to have some downtime and I'm going to relax and I'll actually maybe work on the script a little bit more hands-on, you know, who knows, yeah. who knows? but uh, I, I found it interesting because everyone's using it, like, it's the new, the new Tarantino Star Trek, but it's, it's not really Tarantino Star Trek, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I thought that was interesting. For um, sure. No, I think that'll be really cool because his storylines, I mean, his plots, you could say, are fairly standardized yeah, plots, yeah. but it's how he goes about doing it that's makes him tarantino so yeah. i wonder yeah especially if you're forcing a lot of the tarantinoisms into the film yeah. even though he's not directing it. so like you know what i mean there'll be like these moments where it's like yeah he's his the laser actually did just blow his entire head <laughs> yeah, off and yeah. you know like whatever and then i'm sure if he if he writes it he's generally pretty connected to it so if and then if he produces it maybe he'll have some influence in yeah, terms of like definitely. the style of yeah. it and like because he know. produced um i believe he helped produce uh from dusk till dawn i think of course because he, he was also he, in it yeah. and he wrote it um and you so you could tell the tarantino you know yeah exactly parts of that movie yeah <laughs> exactly. even though it's not his voice you know uh, uh the the like camera movement and shit you know and apparently uh he pitched it considering the new cast the newest yeah, cast yeah. of people so keeping that in mind of yeah. zachary kinto chris uh, simon pine chris simon pegg yeah because pegg um, is he's part of bad robot with yeah. abrams and so yeah thinking about those um what's her name zoe is it uh, zoe, zoe saldana, saldana yeah. and stuff like yep. yeah just being those people yeah. in an r-rated yeah. tarantino star trek movie like that's pretty interesting to think about um yeah it's interesting because i think simon pegg for an interview for the new Mission Impossible movie, said something to the effect oh, of yeah. he, uh, you know, because it might be five or six years from now that he doesn't know if he's going to be part of it or not. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Think, you know, like, <laughs> sometimes they want to put people in, yeah, do people in, yeah. yeah. So, um, Paramount CEO Jim Giannopoulos confirmed the studio is developing two Star Trek movies. Uh, one of them being Star Trek Four, which is uh, oh, yeah. going to have a female director, which is oh, dope. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, the other project is reportedly Tarantino's film, which the Revenant writer, Mark L. Smith, is ah, penning. that's right. So that's a fucking combo that's right cool. there. Fuck Revenant is one of my favorite movies to come out recently. Actually, just one of my favorite movies, that's honestly. Just, oh, I wonder... Okay, so The Revenant. That is interesting. Revenant screenwriter, where there's not a lot of dialogue in that movie writing and a you're Tarantino. doing a, a, like yeah but if Tarantino did the story then there's not there's not necessarily dialogue right and you know if you're just penning a plot uh-huh to pitch that's you're not going combo. for the specifics right that's a super interesting combo yeah I think that's um, that's a powerhouse combo that right could be there. really fucking cool that's insane and then th- if, if I what wonder they, who would direct it I don't know but they like, need that's to, a lo- that's I mean think about that. What the they need to do is put they need to put a female director <laughs> yeah. on that project. That would so, be cool. That would be cool. Story by Tarantino, written by Mark Smith, yeah. directed by fucking yeah. well, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't uh, know which female director. Like, yeah, uh, take your pick of like Catherine a, Bigelow. No, <laughs> <laughs> Lynn Ramsey. <laughs> oh, that would be so weird. But that uh, that'd be, be weird. Really cool. That would be weird. Oh wow! Yeah, Lynn Ramsey doing yeah. a science fi- fiction thing. Wow. I mean, to think if you think about it though, like okay, so Tarantino clearly has his like his genre love. Like he loves westerns. Yeah. He loves Japanese. You know, he loves yeah. his like Italian films stuff like mm. that. 
and he it shows you know he he's done his western he's yeah. done his like kind of japanese-ish revenge yeah. film he's done like you know the crime stuff early on uh black exploitation <laughs> yep. and then, then now horror which of course he's always i'm sure you know he's always he's been into everything but yeah. really like his death group was kind of a little horror, it was like a know? take yeah. on a slasher yeah. and so you know i don't ex- ever expect him to do like a straight up comedy because his films kind of tend to have some yeah. comedy in it in some form or another but I do wonder, I mean, I've never really heard him overtly be like, yeah, sci-fi is super bomb diggity, but like, yeah. a sci-fi genre likes, film? I think he likes sci-fi, I mean, I wouldn't, though. I yeah. would imagine so, but like, yeah. you know, sci-fi film, maybe? I don't know. I can't imagine him ending on a Star Trek movie, but weirder yeah, shit has I, happened. Yeah, you know, I, I, have a, I have a very strong feeling that he won't direct any Star Trek movie, He'll direct through producing, <laughs> pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would surprise me. I don't know what his last movie would be, but I, I, I really hope that it's something far out. You know, something that we haven't seen before, but yet ends up being fantastic. You know what I mean? That would be cool. I hope he just, just goes full Italy. Yeah, let's go full Italy just, and just fucking do it, dude. Yeah, dude. Like honestly, and I, I, I hope, I really hope that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is something unlike anything we've seen from him. I want to see, like, typical, a little bit of typical Tarantino. You know, like, bits of what we like, you know? And it, we just haven't seen him do a movie that's set in the, you know, in, like, within the last 40 years or so. In, yeah, exactly. In, in quite some time, you yeah. know? <laughs> so it would be kind of, it's, it's going to be cool. I mean, Kill Bill um, was modern, but it was also in its own little world, yeah, too. Like, yeah, once upon a, I'm sure Once Upon a Time will be as well, but it's also... You're gonna. He's pulling in. Yeah. Fucking Hollywood. You know, I, downtown I, I Hollywood. Feel it's and gonna shit, be like, like more. Out of all of his films, I feel like it's gonna be more like Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, um, in the sense of like. See, I hope it's slower. Yeah. With a little more foreboding, which yeah. it should be. It's yeah, kind of like a crime that's, thriller. That's why I'm so curious. I just I want to know the tone. You know? I know the tone is what I'm um, really interested in. Because his other stuff is just so, yeah. bow, 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 yeah. you know what I mean? And I feel just like, like there's probably going to be elements of that. Probably. Um, but I really, I'm just so curious what he's going to do with, like, what's he going to do with Sharon Tate, you know? Like, how is this going to work out? Because I don't feel it's going to be hardly, I have a feeling it's the Manson murders are going to be very. He says it's a backdrop. It's just a backdrop. Like, that shit, is, it's stuff that's happening yeah. at the time, but we're not going to be, like, with fucking the Manson family yeah. as they murder people, exactly. you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I don't think we're going to even see any of that. But no. it's interesting though because I, I do know that um, uh, Margot Robbie's playing Sharon Tate, so we will somehow see you her. will see her quite as a bit. Sharon Tate in the movie, and then um, Damien Lewis plays Steve McQueen. So here's someone that's like hmm. playing an actual like, you know, larger than life Hollywood legend um, in a Tarantino movie. Is very interesting, you know what I mean? Damien Lewis, that's funny. That's an interesting choice. The closest we've come to that was a guy playing Goebbels and and Hitler in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's true. So I'm curious how he's handling this with like real people that have actually lived that people are familiar with. Because you could go watch um, Valley of the Dolls and watch Sharon Tate or yeah. um, uh, Fearless Vampire Killers and watch her films, and same with Steve McQueen. So I don't know. It's gonna be sweet. It's gonna be super sweet. Um, let's see. All right, I'll touch on this. So one of the things I had was I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but uh, with the iTunes release of First Reformed, which was the more recent Ethan Hawke movie, yeah. uh, there is a little kind of teaser, little two 
three minute kind of teaser, um, which shows some of Paul Schrader's uh, process in directing. Oh, see. And if you don't know he, who he is, he wrote Taxi Driver. Um, probably like his his biggest claim to fame, really. But yeah, I mean, Raging Bull. Oh yeah, Raging Bull. Yeah, he's he is not some unknown yeah. dude. Um, he's been in the business for a long time. He's seventy two years old. Um, I'm just gonna pull up the list here if yeah, my computer would actually load. Directed American Gigolo. Mm-hmm. Cat yeah, people. so he was a screenwriter, kind of turned director after a period of time. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see. Yeah, so, okay, so what I'm getting at here is that it shows his process. So if it's something you're interested in, I was interested in it because it was cool. Because what he what he did, which is something I'd really like to try next time, is that uh, in his storyboarding process, he just literally took screenshots from other movies. Oh, And wow. was like, oh, wow. This is the, re- like, he used it as an original reference. Yeah. So, like, this is what I want to get at. And then he made it his own. Yeah. So, like, he started as a screenwriter, wrote his script, you know, knowing that this is kind of a character that he's played with before, stuff like that. But, and then yeah, he it was literally like you know it's fucking stuff with like James Dean, yeah, and like you know just old '60s films, some Swedish <laughs> stuff, cool. Burton, whatever. Like just literally, he put those under his lines or over the lines or whatever yeah. where they where he wanted the shots at, and that's kind of how he built the storyboard. That's cool. So, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. And then just they kind of show you one little sequence where they shot it. Because the film has a very unique look to it. Oh, sweet. Uh, Just the framing gives it this very kind of odd feeling. And then it's literally the frame is not, is a more, a little more square. Yeah, it's like the, it's, I think it's shot right in four thirds. I think it's a little bit more more than that. Um, is that the Academy ratio? No, Academy ratio is a little larger than that. No, the Academy one is the 1.66, oh, okay. I think. Yeah, if I remember correctly. That was a very, very long time ago we talked about that. Yeah, it's but yeah, <laughs> First Reformed, I do I do want to see it. I didn't get a chance when it came through theaters. I know, um, I But I would it. like to see it. Uh, I do quickly want to end on this, though, because I thought this was really interesting. And this gets a little more political... Not it's a little political, but not too bad. So, study finds no significant improvement in film inclusion over past decade. <laughs> so the USC's Annenberg Inclusion Initiative, where they wrote a 43-page report on inequality in 1,100 popular films through the years, um, covered. It says this covers the top 100 films from 2007 to 2017. So that's how they get 1,100. Wow. Um, and this report shows no significant statistical improvement in the representation of women, people of color, LGBT. LGBT Characters or characters with disability over the past decade. Um, we're not seeing an interesting trend either downward or upward across multiple years to suggest that there's a concerted effort to be inclusive. So, the latest numbers. Although women represent 50.8% of the U.S. population, they represent uh, they represented just 31.8% of speaking characters last year, oh, wow. a disparity of almost 20 percentage points. Uh, this prevalence has held constant among the 48,757 speaking characters in the 1,100 top grossing films, excuse me, since 2007, just 30.6% have been uh, female. Uh, One major reason for this gender disparity is that women have much shorter on-screen quote-unquote lifespan than men. Um, There tends to be gender balance among child characters among child characters okay oh, i see what they're saying there tends to be general balance between child characters um closer to a 50, it's 52 to 47 percent um skewing male 
uh, with the gap slightly widening in the teens, but by the age of 40, it's pretty much, it's like 75% men. Um, in 2017, 70% of the 4,454 speaking characters were white. Oh, 12 were black, 6 Hispanic, 4 Asian, a little bit, just close to 5, and then about 4 were mixed. 1%, wow, less than 1%. percent yeah. for Asian? I know, right? Considering... Jesus. Yeah. 1.7% uh, were Middle Eastern, and less than 1% were coded as Native American or Native Hawaiian. Wow. Um, it's worth noting that these designations are for characters, not actors. So that's something to think about. Characters in the oh, plot, wow. not the actors. So Moana would fit into that less than 1% maybe? Yeah. <laughs> when did so, that yeah. come out? 2017? Yeah, it was within yeah. that period. Jesus. And it was one of the bigger ones too. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, one of the 3.6% of mixed race speaking characters was Aloha's Allison Ng, played by Emma Stone. So that's kind of interesting. What? Yeah. Uh... But yeah, so what they're saying is that this is not really a surprise. Uh, the more than 99% of the speaking characters in 2017's films were straight and cisgender. 81, 81 out of the 100 movies had no lesbian, gay, or bisexual characters. Only one transgender character has appeared on screen in the top 400 movies since 2014. So, of the... Dang. Yeah. Um... Of the 2.5% of 2017 speaking characters depicted with a disability, 73% were white, 69% were male. So, regardless of whether or not you're what you are, you're probably going to be wow. a white man playing it. Um, yeah. That's so, crazy. That's the past 10 years. And that's going to, you know, they, they I'm sure they do that every, you know, add yeah. in 2018 on yeah. top of that, you know, and just keep doing the 1100 thing and see how it kind of changes. Um, so in terms of who serves as the focus of a story, female-centric films hold steady at about a third of each year's crop of movies, but in 2017, only four women of color and five women over the age of 45 played leads or co-leads. Mm. Uh, seven black men, four Asian men, four mixed-race men, and two Latino men had lead or co-lead roles in the last year's 100 highest-grossing films. Wow. Uh, and I'm sure in the report, which I didn't read... Sorry, um, we'll tell you. I wonder if it says specifically like who those actors and stuff yeah. were. Um, yeah, so. I feel like you know, like Michael Pena. He's such a talented actor, and he's he can do comedy, he can do serious roles, he can do all sorts of shit. But he's never in a starring role, um, right? Uh, he's always a supporting. But he was in the new Netflix movie that I think just came out, Extin Extinction, Extinction, um, with. Okay. Uh, and I think he stars in it. So I thought that was kind of cool. But I don't know if they're counting Netflix movies. You know what I mean? Like That's the hard thing, too. I'm like, guessing are, not. Yeah. I'm guessing know, like, someone's released in... And that's, you know, obviously that was just released like a day or two ago. So... Yeah. <laughs> but, no. So, yeah. And Hopefully then, it will start rising even more, though, in like larger drastic numbers than just kind of not doing anything for the last 10 years. You know? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, and this is sort of obvious too. On-screen representation is often driven by the person at the helm. Yeah. If you're a woman, you're probably going to have a woman star. If you're black, black. You know what I mean? Asian, Asian. Um, generally, yeah. not always, obviously, but generally. So yeah, that's. Uh, I thought that was really interesting to think about. Is like, yeah, we're seeing this representation stuff like Black Panthers come out, and everyone is like, you know, really just gung ho about its representation. Which Black Panther was 2018, to be fair. Uh, but like it's still not it's sort of like hey look it's like producers are like hey look we did it and yeah but 
when you really start to break it down, it's not yeah, that. It's a, um, it's a showboat. Yeah. So. Hopefully that changes. Though hopefully it demands, you know, like yeah, it, it demands not them doing. <laughs> hopefully it breaks the mold. <laughs> That's what I hope too. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah, Netflix is trying really is doing a lot to fight against that. That's why I think this is just featured like. Uh, cinema films, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Because Netflix, Amazon, stuff like that—they're all targeting audiences like crazy. Yeah, certain audiences, some of their stuff. But again, Netflix—you know—some of their more popular stuff is dominated by white men, essentially. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, like that is a lot of the people who consume yeah. entertainment media, so that drives those numbers too. A lot of people like that, even if they are of different. Yeah like whatever so it's it's hard it's a weird it's kind of a hard number to it's easy to talk about in the sense that yeah we know that there's a disparity but it's also being fueled by the people who want to see other stuff but are still going to consume media right so well it's funny too because there's like yeah i i find that there's like i mean i know more white guys that are really into like asian cinema Mm mm-hmm than my Asian friends that exactly. are into it that exactly. much, you know. So it's like there really is a fucking excuse. Like, exactly, like, you just have more Asian leading men and women, you know, and stuff like that. You That's know what pretty I mean? much like, what it comes down to. So is like, it's dumb because it's like a catch twenty two for some of these producers. Apparently, it's where it's like, well, no one wants to see that, but you've never put them in there. But yeah, then they're like, well, we don't want to put them in there because no one wants to see it. But it's like, but you got to put it they, in there for people to see it. Yeah. Like, and Bruce Lee is so like you know he's so iconic everyone knows Bruce exactly. Lee exactly so it's like there's no I don't know it's just dumb it's just basically the person with the right charisma yeah. needs to come around we could have we could have had five Bruce Lees since or more totally. since since his death and but we don't you know I think Tony Jaa could have filled the mold if he would have been more accessible like yeah. Bruce Lee the weird thing is that he just ended up being accessible yeah. You know, his just his charisma was just through the roof. Yeah. So, <laughs> so speaking of that, I think we should end it. Uh, so next week we'll be talking about Bruce Lee. Um, but if you have any questions or opinions, send an email to btvfilmspodcast at gmail dot com. You can also visit the Facebook page, comment on, discuss. Um, if you like the show, please rate it five stars, four stars, whatever. Please just rate it wherever you listen. Helps us out. That's what's been helping us on Anchor. Um, the listens, the applauses, the likes, you know, iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts is a huge spot too. Yeah. That would be the most ideal spot to rate. Um, you can follow us on Letterbox at JC Full, sorry, Jacob Fultz, Byron Goet, G O U E T T E, and Hyperion Creator for me. Um, next week, we're, like I said, we're going to be talking Bruce Lee because Jacob should be back, barring some crazy ass schedule or something, but he should be back. We'll finish up our Asian trilogy and then hopefully move on to some other things. Um, so yeah, uh, the films we'll be talking about again are Enter the Dragon and The Big Boss. Yeah. So check those out to be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Oh crap! I forgot to pa- re- prepare a, an <laughs> outro again. Damn it. Um. Bye. <laughs> 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 uh, that'll work. Hey, it does it. It'll work. Join our soul.